There you go. Okay, so let's go to uh, text messages. And, of course, that number again is 0491-064-669. Let's see if you can solve the quiz. But also a quick reminder that if you'd like to just call us up, have a chat about the Bible study, have a chat about any of the subjects that we've been talking about, have a chat about the interview, then please do so. We would love to hear from you, mm-hmm. and we would love to hear what you have to say um, we always enjoy hearing from our listeners. So mm. let's go to text messages. And the first one is from Raphael. And this one is in relationship to the story about Oxford University. He says, most of the great universities in Europe were originally created for preaching of the gospel. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. In fact, Oxford University is the second oldest university in the world. Yeah. Dates back to the one thousand and like sixty-seven or something rather like that. That's a long way back. But this was their purpose. Their purpose was for the preaching of the gospel. Of course, you know, in the one thousands, the gospel was pretty corrupted. But mm. needless to say, that's what its purpose was. Uh, originally created for the preaching of the gospel, and many great Protestant preachers came out of them. Uh, the anti-Reformation. Society of Jesus or Jesuits over the centuries fixed that, and it's interesting that uh, this 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 subject is raised in relationship to Oxford because Oxford is probably a prime example of where that actually happened. Mm. Um, so there's a very interesting book put out, uh, you know, quite a number of years ago now called "The Secret History of the Oxford Movement" by W. W. Walsh, uh, I believe, is the uh, author, and. Uh, what you had there was a movement within Oxford University to basically re-Catholicise Protestantism. Mm. Um, it was called the Oxford Movement. It was called the the, the, the the people involved in it were called Tractarians because they were very busy writing tracts and distributing tracts. Um, they were also called Puseyites because one of the leaders <gasps> of the uh, of this particular movement was a name by the name name of a man by the name of Edward Pusey. And one of the other leaders was a man by the name of John Henry Newman. Now, John Henry Newman, he was an interesting character because, you know, he pushed and pushed and pushed and was very much a uh, part of that until the point that uh, he dis- until the point that the Pope in Rome actually offered him a uh, cardinal's hat. Oh wow! And he's like, yeah, you know what? I'll become a cardinal. Why not? <laughs> So he left Protestantism and became a Roman Catholic cardinal. And this is one of the reasons why you have today in the world uh, two types of Anglican church. You've got high church and low church. Mm. Uh, low church is uh, Reformation Protestant Anglicanism. That's what we have in Sydney. And Sydney is about the last place in the world that it actually exists. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, you've got what is seen as um, Anglo- Anglo-Catholicism is what it's called. That's what we have in Newcastle. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I've been to the cathedral a couple of times here in Newcastle because my sister's school was attached to it, and it's Anglo-Catholicism. And they see themselves as one being one of the three branches of Catholicism. Mm. Um, you know, you, you, Orthodox, Anglican, uh, Roman Catholic. You know, I pick up really from, see themselves as being the same church. Dude, that's a really fascinating story. But the thing that I get really pick up from that is why, why, when in church history do we go from calling everything Aryans and um, ites to ist? Like, I'm a Seventh Day Adventist, but I would love to be a Seventh Day Adventarian. Or a Seventh Day Adventist Yeah, uh, Adventite. I do not know the answer Dude, to this question. Dude, oh, this is like the coolest name ever. <laughs> maybe, <bro>. maybe, <laughs> maybe somebody else does. Because it's Baptist, Methodist, you know, all these different things. Like, I'm like, why, why can't we be ites or Aryans? 
Oh, well, not Aryans, but, <laughs> but it's interesting. We, we getting back to uh, what we were talking about. With <laughs> sorry to awesome. derail. Sorry to de- <laughs> whatever. If you got if you got some history on that, let us know. Uh, but getting back to what we were talking about, more important subjects because you got me started on some awesome history. Yeah, it is the history of the the secret history of the Oxford movement is just fascinating mm. stuff because it was it was driven. You know, it was very much driven by the Jesuit order, mm. um, and that's well documented in history, and it. It created a much larger rift and a much larger rivalry between Oxford and Cambridge than uh, what there had ever been in the past. I mean, mm. there've always been, you know, a rift and, a, and rivalry between those two universities, but of course, Cambridge stayed with uh, evangelical Protestant teachings, while Oxford went down this very, very um, well pro-Roman Catholic path, and now we see the results of it. Mm. You know, even through to today. I mean, even when I was last visiting, you know, was, the contrast between the two was quite stark. You, uh, you know, walk into one of the churches there, one of the chapels in Cambridge, and just start talking to one of the pastors there. And you know, these are people that believe in the in 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 Jesus Christ, and they believe in salvation by grace alone, and they believe in the Bible. Wow! And it was just so refreshing after all of the wishy-washiness that we had found in just about every other cathedral that we had visited, you know, across Europe in mm. uh, at that particular time. And so, that was, I can actually really back up that experience walking into um, St Andrew's Cathedral down in Sydney. Um, you know, you've got this massive cathedral down there. Yes. And you walk in though, and you start talking about mission. I, I was there with one of my friends and we were just talking to the pastor. It was, we're, we're there on a Sunday. So it was after their service. And, you know, for us, like we go to church on Saturday. So we're just down in Sydney hanging out, obviously before COVID and just start having this incredible chat about, yeah, mission and, and all these different things. And, and he's sharing, oh, well, these are the colleges that, that I went to. And, you know, we have a, like you're sitting in a cathedral and he's talking about, oh, we just really want to be able to, to reach the city and do amazing things. Like I, I just I I can really yeah um oh what's the word I could really relate to that because I was like man you would not expect this level of just dedication to biblical mission coming out of cathedral um with this deep of you know just history and whatnot but um yeah <laughs> what, what are you smiling about oh just something I was working on here. <laughs> Okay, Lyle's Lyle is, Lyle's decided to stop just, having the history just conversation. Bolting. No, well, let me let me continue on with the text messages. I only got halfway through the text messages. Uh, where did we get up to? Uh, here we are. The three angels' messages will fix that. God's word cannot be stopped. In one day, He can turn the world Amen. upside down, like an earthquake or a tsunami can destroy a city in a matter of minutes. God is in charge. Well, we had an earthquake here in Australia. Yeah, How in, bizarre is that? In, in Victoria, Mansfield got hit and Melbourne got even damage. I mean, to have an earthquake in Australia where there's actual damage and bricks fall over is wild. That's pretty wild for our country. Most stable planet in the world. Most stable country. Okay. All right. More text messages. Let's move on with them. Uh, Jeff Bezos is worth 200 billion plus. While he's publicized giving 1 billion to environmental causes, it's the equivalent of the average person giving about 100 bucks and telling everybody about it. It's good, but I'm reminded of the woman with two mites in the Bible and the rich man who publicized their donations too. When you give, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, the Bible says. Wow. 
Now, I just wanted to expand on that a little bit because uh-huh. my son wrote a really interesting piece on this, just for fun, mind you. Yeah. So this uh, comes from, uh, let me see here, uh, Second Opinions, Chapter 6 and Verse 2. Oh, I think. <laughs> classic. <laughs> so this is, okay, guys, don't take this seriously. It's just for fun. Take heed that you do not post your vaccination before men to be liked by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you get vaxxed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do on Facebook and in the streets, that they may have glory from men, assuredly, I say unto you, they have the reward. But when you do get vaxxed, do not let your left arm know what your, is happening to your right arm, that your vaccination may be secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself, will himself reward you openly. <laughs> oh, I just thought that was a whole lot I, of fun. I, dude, After I, I, see, I, see, I, see, I see all of these posts, you know, up on Facebook, like, you know, with people fully vaxxed now and all this kind of stuff. And they, like, take like, pictures oh, of their It becomes so, such a cringe. It's the oh. biggest cringe ever. So. I'm, I am, yeah. That's, that's Harley's heresy for the morning. Dude, when I, when I get, like, full vax, I'm just going to start posting all this stuff about how I want to buy Microsoft products on Facebook. That's, that's my tactic is just to... You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. My tactic is just to parody people and make a joke out of it because that's my life. (laughs) All right, so how is school guidance officers? This is from Braden, uh, talking to students struggling with mental illness and identity crisis and guiding them through conversation. Oh, they're not allowed to. Surgery. Not conversion therapy? And thus allowed? We need to pray fervently. Oh, so much. Uh, we need to move on with our Bible study. Let's go to, oh, man, this week. This week is, what have we had so far? We've had Matthew 24. We've had Revelation chapter 1. We've had, had Revelation, Revelation chapter 14. 14 so. uh, now we have Hebrews 11. Oh, look. <laughs> Dude, this is this like, is like the, the Bible Highlights World Tour right here. This is, is amazing. exactly what it is, Hebrews 11. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, mm-hmm. and we're going to look at this here because we're talking about rest, obviously. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to start reading in verse 13 mm-hmm. to 16. All right, in Hebrews 11, verse 13, the Bible says, All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and no nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to call uh, to be called their God, for he prepared a city for them. Okay, so let's uh, let's 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 work our way through down through this passage because you know really what is being highlighted in this particular passage is the fact that you have you know basically it's gone through through the highlights up until this point mm. it's gone through the highlights of men of faith and then it, it it has this interlude and then it goes to talking about more men of faith it's like mm. okay you think these were great men of faith well we haven't finished yet we're just getting started yeah you know, Paul is just 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 getting started in his <laughs> list of great men of faith. And so, you know, he's talked about, uh, you know, people like uh, Abraham and Noah uh, and, and, and so forth and Sarah and Enoch and Abel, you know. Mm. And he comes to this statement right here because all of these people were looking for rest. In mm. this world, we live in a world of unrest. Yeah. They're looking for a world of rest. That's the theme of our Bible study here. So let's look at what the promises are that are given to us 
and implied in this particular passage. In verse 13, the Bible says, uh, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Mm. Okay, so how did they die in the faith and not see the promises, but see them afar off? Mm. So what that like indicates to me would be that there would be some post-death experience where they would eventually experience the promises. And I think the key word that you've just thrown out there is the word eventually. Yeah. Because the Bible says that when they died, they did not receive the promise. Wow. Oof. But the promise was afar off. Mm. This is very significant to our understanding of rest. Mm. And when we receive the promises, hmm. because so often, and you know, sadly, I've got a funeral that I'm doing uh, this afternoon. Uh, but so often, you go to a funeral, and it's like, well, you know, this person's in a better place, and they're with Jesus right now, and you know, Jesus, Jesus wanted them, and so He took them at this particular time, which are very nice and comforting words. But that's not what the Bible promises. Hmm. The Bible promises a resurrection at the return of Christ. The Bible promises rest. Wow for those who have been suffering, and then a resurrection to a life where we will rest from sin, rest from pain, rest from suffering. We will have rest from all of that. And so in verse 13, the Bible says, These all died, Mm. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, having not received the promise. They didn't get it. But knowing that it was a far off, a long way in the future. Mm. This is significant. Okay. Um, Let me see here. Where are we? Uh, Let's go back to verse 14. Uh, Well, well, actually, right here in verse 13. They were persuaded and embraced and confessed that they were pilgrims and strangers on the earth. Yeah, I love that old hymn. Um, some of you can probably you know, remember it. I'm a pilgrim and I'm a stranger. Mm. I can tarry, I can tarry, but a while. I can wait. I can stay here for just for a season. We are strangers in this land. This is not our home. The Bible says that we are ambassadors of God. Mm. An ambassador is somebody who lives in a foreign land and represents the government from the land where their citizenship is. Mm. I love that. That means that wow. our citizenship is in heaven. Mm. And we are representatives, each one of us, of the government of God. I think about that. You know, it's a pretty high honour. You know, if you were called to be the representative of Australia, you would be honoured. Yeah. Because you're like, the Australian government sees me as somebody who can represent everything that is good and great about our nation. Dude, we just, um, like, if you listen to the news headlines that just played, They were talking to a cricket player who's from WA and he has the opportunity to play for WA or play for Australia. And he's decided to opt out of his WA game because he's like, okay, yeah, you know, to play for my state, that's pretty awesome. But to play for my country, like there's just something so incredible about having that experience to to represent who you are. Like, And and very few people get that opportunity. Well, you know, whenever you go overseas as an Australian, you represent Australia in any capacity as a tourist or whatever. That's right. But if you, like, if the government calls you up, you know, if the AIS, you know, for this guy, the the AIS or Cricketing Australia or whatever it is, calls you up and says, hey, we think that you are 
you represent Australia well enough, you know, within your being and, and specifically in playing cricket that we want you to represent us. It's like, wow, like what a high calling, you know, that I have that, you know, the, the, the people who decide who represents Australia would call on me to represent Australia. They see me as Australian enough, as talented enough to do so. And, and essentially what we see here in Hebrews is the same thing, but it's God calling us to represent him. And you know we see this we see this also in their interview of the day where we talked about you know Sir Douglas Nichols. Mm. You know when you give somebody a knighthood, then the reason that you're doing that is because they are a great. You know, the reason he got that was because he was a great representative of Australia. Yeah, wow. Mm. You know, and 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 that's a high honor. We are representatives of the government of God, mm. the government of heaven, the one that rules the universe. Our universe, our, our Earth is a tiny speck of dust. In our universe, yeah, our, our, our Earth, and we are here on this Earth as representatives of the government that rules over everything that is out there. Mm. That's an incredibly high honor. We are pilgrims and we are strangers here on this Earth, and this is one of the reasons why there is so much. You know, when the Bible says that we're strangers, there is so much on it that go, that happens on our world where it's just like, this is not my home. Mm. I don't relate to this world. I don't like this world. I don't like what it stands for. I don't like what it does. I don't like how horrid it is. I don't like the injustice that I see. Yeah. I don't like the perversion that I see. I don't fit here. I'm a stranger. This is this is not my home. Mm. Anyway, they see their home afar off, the Bible says. Verse 14, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Mm. So the Bible talks about, you know, Abel, uh, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, that they were seeking a country. And, you know, he's kind of drawing this this, uh, parallel with Abraham, who was a sojourner. A sojourner is a nomad. Yes. Let's put that into modern English. He's a nomad. Mm. Why? He's seeking a country. He's living in the promised land. Why is he seeking a country then? He's right there Mm. because he's actually seeking something far better than the promised land. Yeah, well. He's seeking the promised land that God gives. All right. It says, Truly, if they had been mindful of that country from where they came, they might have had an opportunity to have returned, but now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly country. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Mm. What a fantastic promise we have right here. These people, the Bible says, were looking for a better country, a heavenly country. And that God is not ashamed to be called their God, he's prepared for them a city. Something that I see really amazing here um, is that like, it's implied, if God is not ashamed to be called their God, it ultimately implies the removal of sin. Indeed it does. That's what they're seeking. That's, they're, that's they're, exactly they're what they see- want. And, and I'm like, I this just speaks- do want to live in a world of sin. It just speaks so much against, you know, th- this world. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Fantastic stuff. Okay, so we've got a couple of text messages that uh, have come through here. And this one comes from Bruce. He says, God's solution to COVID is called God's plan. Oh. G-O-D-S-P-L-A-N. God's plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, So God's plan works like this. G, godly trust. O, open air. 
D. Daily exercise. S. Sunshine. P. Proper rest. L. Lots of water. A. Always temperate. N. Nutrition. This is just this is just new start. It's new start the remix. I like I like it though. It's, it's very good. This is the remix of new start. These are the eight laws of health given to us uh, by God, the Creator. If we keep obey these laws, we will have health and our and our healthy immune system will deal with COVID. Well, I'm just going to not going to say COVID. Your healthy immune system will deal with if you actually follow uh, God's plan right there. Any of the major killers that we have in our world right now. Yeah. It's it's outside of heart the, disease, diabetes, cancer. That's right. This is this is this lifestyle is the way to go. diseases. Dude. They're all lifestyle diseases, and this is lifestyle that we're talking about right here. Praise the Lord! He is still the ruler of His creation. Mm. Um, that one's from Bruce. Then, uh, let me see here. Uh, okay, we'll go up here. Let's see. Okay, I can only guess as to why the horn of the rhino is in such great demand. Mm-hmm. Pretty sad that such a large, beautiful beast should be killed for such a small part. Only the very rich can afford it. Another reason why it's so hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Wow. And then we had uh, Aaron says, Thank you for sharing heresy this morning. Had a good laugh. <laughs> that's what we shared. Harley's heresy. Yeah, that's <laughs> Good fun. All right, let's get to our Bible study. Uh, we were talking about the rest. Mm. And we were talking about, you know, the fact that all of these guys were looking for a kingdom, a new earth, a, new, a city, sorry, a city. They saw it afar off, but they all died not receiving the promise. Yes. Why did they not receive the promise? Because the promise was afar off. Uh-huh. It was a long way away. And so the Bible study kind of brings out this um, interesting little statement here. Uh, let me just see if I can find this I read it here a moment ago, and I thought it was really well put, and it has now disappeared from me. Uh, Where was it? It was right here in front of me. I can't even see it. It's gone. It's disappeared. Anyway, so basically what what the the Bible study was talking about was, you know, what happened when Billy Graham died Mm. and how if you went to Billy Graham's funeral – uh, it was repeated over and over and over again that he was in heaven now. Wow. And that he was with Jesus now. And that that, that and that, that had happened now. Which is a really interesting concept considering the Bible says that Abel is not there, mm. Enoch is not there, Noah is not there, Abraham is not there. So how did Billy Graham get there before all of them? I don't know, he must have been a pretty good dude. Must you know it's it it's kind of uh, yeah it 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 it's an interesting question right here mm. because it simply says this uh, that they all died not having received the promise. Wow. Okay, so let's go to John chapter eleven and let's look at this passage because here we find exactly oh. how Jesus describes what happens when a person dies because we have an example of someone who was dead and they stayed dead. For four days, that's a significant amount of time. And then they were resurrected. Okay, so John chapter 11, and we're going to read verse 11. Awesome. In John chapter 11, verse 11, Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go that I may wake him up. Okay. So, Lazarus is unwell. Mm-hmm. Messages come to Jesus, come and heal Lazarus. He's not well. Jesus does nothing. 
four days later, he's like, yeah, he's sleeping. I'm going to go and wake him up. What do his disciples say in verse 12? The disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better soon. Verse 13. And then in verse 13, he says, he thought Jesus meant Lazarus was, they thought Jesus meant that Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. Okay, so how does Jesus describe death? As a sleep. Absolutely. You just go into a state of unconsciousness waiting for the resurrection. It's really rather simple, isn't it? Mm. And if you go down here a little bit, because you know Jesus travels to uh, where Mary and Martha are. Now, mm. Mary and Martha are the sisters of Lazarus. Obviously, they love this guy very much. He's their brother, and they are heartbroken. He's dead. He's been dead for four days. They were hoping that Jesus would have healed him. And so Martha comes out to meet Jesus, and in verse 21, what does Martha say in verse 21? In verse 21, Martha said, Lord, uh, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can hear the the sadness and the grief coming mm. through in her voice right there, can't you? Mm. <sighs> Why didn't you come? He wouldn't have died. You would have healed him. But then it continues on. Uh, verse 23. In verse 23, but Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Okay, so here you've got Martha, and Martha and Mary have literally been learning at the feet of Jesus. They have been entertaining Jesus in their home Mm. and listening to everything that he has to say. So this is is what's going on here. And uh, how does Martha respond? She's someone who knows the teachings of Jesus very, very well. So, yeah, in in response to that, uh, Martha then says, yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone rises at the last day. So Jesus says, don't worry about it, your brother's going to rise again. Well, that's kind of, yes, it's very, very comforting, but it's not the same as having a brother still alive there right now. Mm. He's like, yeah, I know that. He will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But even still, that's a far off. Mm. For each one of us, that's, you know, for Martha, it's the rest of her lifetime mm. that she is going to be missing from this person and, or missing this person. And so she's really sad about that. And she's like, yeah, I know that. I understand. I believe the promise. But notice where she places her faith. And notice what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say, oh, he's up in heaven with my father right now. Jesus does not say that. Mm. Jesus says, no, he's asleep in the grave waiting for the resurrection. That will happen at the last day, and that is where you can place your confidence. Mm. And, of course, he goes and heals him. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Lawson, what have we got next? It is time for... Question of the Day. So our question today is simply this. What is the origin of the doctrine of the immortality of the soul? Okay, so really it comes from uh, Plato. This is, the, uh, this is where it originates from. Plato lived about 500 years before Christ, and he was a deeply pagan person. He, you know, Greek, Greek mythology at that particular time believed that you did continue to live after you died in a place called Hades, but that you lived there with the infirmities, the weaknesses, the diseases, uh, the wounds, the trauma that you had died with. And so it wasn't a really fantastic place, you know, particularly for people who died in war and had all kinds of body parts chopped off of them because they were now living without those. Plato wanted to come up with a, 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 a better thought than that. And so as a pagan, he formed the philosophy uh, that still exists today and is at the foundation of modern witchcraft. He taught that 
the dualistic nature of the universe. So dualism is basically, you know, where there's up, there is down, where there's black, there is white, uh, where there's male, there is female, and one thing by necessity creates its opposite. And so uh, what he taught then was that, you know, if you have darkness, you have light. Just by having light, you create darkness and vice versa. He believed then that the body uh, was, you know, where you've got something that is physical, if something physical exists, there must of necessity be its opposite number, which would be something that is not physical that also exists. Uh, in, in other words, what he described as being the soul um, or the spirit. And while if the body is going to be mortal, then, of course, uh, the spirit must in its of itself be immortal. Now, this, of course, grew uh, to incorporate the concept of you know everything that was physical was innately evil, everything that was spiritual was innately good. Now, Judaism, of course, during this uh, time period was very different. Uh, Judaism taught the concept of, sorry, the concept of the immortal soul separate from the body is not found in the Torah or in the entire uh, Tanakh, that's the Hebrew Bible. It was Greek influences during the period between in the Old and the New Testaments called the intertestamental period that some of this Greek philosophy came into Judaism. Um, and you had some Hebrew people who started to teach the concept of uh, an immortal soul. But basically, in the Old Testament, you've got the concept of the bodily resurrection. And a great example of that would be Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, where the Bible says, you know, at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which stands for the children of your people. There will be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And so the Bible talks that the, the Old Testament concept was that the dead would sleep in the earth. Coming through to Christianity, what you've got is the mostly, mostly Gnostic philosopher, man by the name of Justin Martyr. So Gnosticism was a mixture of Platonic Greek philosophy with Egyptian mystery religions that then, when Jesus Christ came along, adopted Jesus Christ in as a part of their Christianity. And this is where Justin Martyr fitted in. Uh, he was a devoted follower of Plato. He incorporated many of Plato's teachings into Christianity in the second century AD, including the concept of the immortality soul, immortality of the soul. He added that not only was the soul free of the past and perfected by leaving the body, but that it would live in heaven. And so you've got uh, this whole concept entering here through Justin Martyr. Of course, it took a long time for that to spread widely throughout the church, but it did spread wide throughout the church. And the creep of paganism into Christianity grew as uh, Christianity took the fields of Ashfordel, which was a Greek uh, mythological place, and renamed that as Limbo, uh, while they reached across with the other hand to Persia and adopted the Mithraic uh, concept of purgatory as well, um, incorporating all of these into a system wherein the soul never dies, unlike what the Bible says. The Bible very clearly says, the soul that sins, it shall die. The Bible says, then the seven last plagues, every soul that was in the sea died. We can read those kinds of verses over and over again. 1,700 references in the Bible to the word soul and the word spirit. Not a single one that says that either the soul or the spirit is immortal. Those verses 
do not exist. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.